Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Brianna Proof Podcast. I am so excited for this episode for so many reasons. Today, we have the one and only Isaiah Frizzell. May or may not have said that correctly. We'll find out in a moment. Um, but I found him on TikTok. And you all know that I love being on TikTok for my mental health because it's where I take time to laugh and find amazing people like this. So for those of you who do not know Isaiah, you're going to love him after this episode. You're going to listen to his podcast, but he's actually a New Jersey native, which is why I should have known. I loved him from the jump with a dual bachelor degree in not only psychology, but also communication. He's also a published author. He's written a book called The Coloring Book, which we will definitely talk about. Um, he's a NASM certified personal trainer, and he is the creator of the Bird Brain podcast, which actually features a lot of content around practical thinking and tools to help basically level up your mental health. So we'll talk about all of that, but welcome to the show. Thank you for being on here today. Thank you for having me. Yes. What an intro. I love that. <laughs> I'm so excited. And for those of you who are only listening, you should all be watching this on YouTube because he also has an amazing merch line and um, it's amazing. And I want to hear more about that. But so when I was actually reading up on your bio a little bit, I know that you, I think named it because you were saying it takes the bird's eye view on basically yeah. kind of taking this, these more practical tools and mindset. And so I would love to hear the inception of the podcast, especially having the background in, you know, psychology and all of that. And like, did you just wake up one day and you're like, I'm tired of all of my friends asking me for advice all the time. I'm just going to put it in a recorded platform. Like, how did it come to be? Well, funny enough, I had never, when, before I started the podcast, uh, a couple of my friends, they were like, yeah, you give good advice. You should just start a podcast. I was like, what the hell? I was like, I don't know what I would do with a podcast. I was, I was like, I won't have anything to talk about. I, it's no way in hell that's happening. And then I was like, maybe I can do this. Like I have the wherewithal, like I know what I'm doing. And I was like, well, what would I talk about? And I was like, well, what do I enjoy? Like mental health. And then um, there's a sub chapter to this podcast that most people might not know about, but it's called The Night Owl. And it, um, it's all horror. So I write and narrate short horror stories. And um you know, it, it all centers around the bird. So with the Bird Brain podcast in itself, it was, it came from this idea or realization that, you know, birds, when we think about birds, we're always like, yeah, birds are dumb. Like they just are mindless. They don't know what they're doing. But then when you think about a bird, when it's in an uncomfortable climate, it migrates, it migrates to a better environment, right? It picks up and it goes. As humans, we don't do that. We stay hunkered down and anchored down in very unhealthy situations that maybe we put ourselves in or we um, repeat cycles of toxic relationships. Like we stay anchored in a lot of unhealthy things in our lives. And with the bird, it's all about taking flight, you know, rising above your situation. Um, the phoenix. So the design for this bird is a hybrid of a hummingbird and also a phoenix. Um, when I first got out to LA, whenever I was in kind of like a weird space, I would always see a hummingbird and it was a reminder that things are going to be okay. Um, and it would just kind of fly in front of me and then disappear. And I looked up what hummingbirds meant and how they function. It's like they carry 10 times their weight, their wings flapping in infinity. So it creates the infinity symbol. So that's why the slogan is rise above it all, stay elevated, create that infinity and up your you. Um, and it's just a matter of understanding that 
when you start to take a look at yourself and your situations and how you can improve upon them, having a bird's eye view, like an elevated perspective or an objective perspective from what it is that you may be enduring, you could potentially see things a little bit healthier, right? Um, opposite of your, your trauma response, opposite of pattern behavior, is just kind of reshift, right? Refocus a little bit. And then the Phoenix in itself is just, you know, I live by that, that legend of a bird always, you know, burning brighter and rising from the ashes. So in other words, just always, always coming out better, always leaving a situation much better. Um, so that's where it all came from. And when I designed this bird, I made it a point to like incorporate like so many colors and make it vibrant and very, um, you know, one welcoming but also very unique so i think yeah. that's how i would describe you and i've only known you for about five minutes but very oh. welcoming and unique and vibrant and Thank you I, you know, what's interesting too about your content. I think you have such a great ability to mix longer form content, you know, for people who have a attention span longer than nine seconds, which is right. not a lot of people anymore, but you know, so you have the podcast, which for people who want to dig a little bit deeper, which is a yeah. lot of my listeners, I would say, um, right. you have the TikTok, which is great, but also your posts on your Instagram. I love because the carousels that you do. And I think a lot of the people who maybe are like the old school, like I have whiteboards and I write like on sticky notes and I post things. And sometimes yeah. you really just need like a one liner because now I think we are so inundated with like mental health information. And you're like, okay, do I blame my parents? Do I blame myself? Like where the trauma? And it's just like, sometimes right. you just need uh, like a one thing. And one of the things that you just said, one of your posts that I loved was not my circus. And so, you know, the saying like not my, not my monkey, not my circus kind of thing. And like, yeah. are you the ringmaster? And I always joke, like, we're still entertaining these clowns. So I would love to hear kind of this idea of like, you know, why we do continue to entertain things that don't serve us. Like what, what do you think are some of the main reasons that you have seen maybe yourself included past versions of yourself or just with people you've talked to over the years? Ooh. Ooh, why, do, why do we do this? Why do we continue to entertain these clowns? And we're like, yo, I don't even want to be in a circus anymore. This is right. not for me. The why behind the what? Well, there's a, I, I think there's a lot of reasons. For one, I think that people like having something to chew on. And what I mean by that is that people like having, some people are, are bored or they don't, um, what's the word? People have a hard time sitting with themselves in the sense of they don't enjoy their own company. So if you're in a relationship that's kind of puzzling, it's it's unhealthy, um, maybe it's, it's hot and cold, there's all these dynamics that you constantly have to figure out. Or if you're dealing with a person and you are a people pleaser or a fixer, you're always dealing with a project, right? So I think a lot of times people gravitate towards this and it's something for them to kind of chew on. It's like, well, my relationship, I need to fix my relationship or this person, I need to be there for this person, et cetera. So it's always a reason to not deal with yourself, mm. right? So people may unknowingly do this, but it's, it's this element of always putting more on your plate and having something to chew on, something to di digest, 
because it keeps you busy. Like sometimes when we eat, right, we, we need something to snack on because we're bored. And it's just kind of just mindless action, right? So I think sometimes these relationships that we entertain are just a reflection of what we are avoiding in the emptiness that we may feel. Um, and then that can kind of explore into trauma. Maybe you grew up in a dynamic where you felt that you had to um, always be responsible for somebody else's needs before yours, right? And then you develop this codependency kind of deal where you are only as good as what you're willing to give, right? Or you were told that family first, whatever the case may be, and no matter how bad somebody treats you, you feel obligated to be there for them because you're loyal. And you've been taught that you have to be loyal no matter what. God forgives all these things, these elements that involve you being a doormat and, and be on, on the receptive end of chaos, right? And you rinse, wash, repeat. So you develop this idea that this is what your life is supposed to be. This is what it should be. And anything out of that feels weird to you because it's like, no, that's not what love is. This feels too, too normal or alien to what I'm used to. So this isn't love. And then when you actually get somebody who's not chaotic, you self-sabotage because you are looking for the familiarity in the relationships that you're used to, right? So there's just this element of seeking comfort and familiarity and comfort and familiarity is not always good because there can be comfort in chaos. So I think a lot of times we're just seeking what's common to us because it keeps us from having to work on ourselves and do better. Self-love is hard. Oof, it's a tough, it's, it is a tough pill to swallow. It's a tablet basically with a dry it's, throat going down. It's a real horse pill and is not you know, the, the thing about self-love, self you know, I think how it's portrayed and displayed in society as a whole is like, I always think in my head, there's somebody running through a field of, you know, flowers and they're just happy and they're smiling and, you know, everything's right in the world. And in reality, I think self-love is really holding a mirror up to yourself and saying that, hey, there's some things we probably need to work through. Um, and it's going to be ugly and it's not going to feel good. And it's going to involve us removing a lot of relationships and toxic habits. That's what self-love is. Absolutely. And I don't think people want to do that. I think it's also as you get older or actually maybe more so when you're younger, I think it's easier, of course, to blame the other person and be like, oh. well, you are a bad person or you did this to me or whatever. And sometimes you do have to really assess where am I actually being the toxic person and how much, uh, what other areas of my life am I actually adding to the suffering? Because so many times to your point, I had in my notes actually for you, like this idea of compatibility and connection and yes. attachment being very yes. different buckets that I think it's really easy to get confused, especially if you haven't done the work. And so, yes. you know, especially with the idea of love, like love isn't enough. And that includes love. you loving yourself. You have to even be compatible with where you are in your life and alignment and all of that. Yes. Uh, oh, that's, that's brilliant. I love this. It's, uh, you know, compatibility. It was funny because I was going back and forth with someone on a TikTok recently. The, thing, the funny thing about TikTok is it's, it's people are very brave behind a phone screen and sometimes they'll say some things and I'm like, that's not okay. And um, I talked about a, a recent TikTok video about 
friendship specifically and how there are some people who value the friendships that they don't have to tend to. Um, the low maintenance friend or the friend you don't talk to for so long, you could just pop back and nothing changes. And there's a very special space for those people. But overall, I think there are just a lot of people that don't know how to be friends and that are very neglectful. And I mentioned that. And then in, uh, someone responded, they're like, well, some people are just, it's a compatibility thing. And I was like, nope, that's not compatibility. I was like, a poor communication skills and lack of accountability has nothing to do with compatibility. Now, how you move may make you compatible with someone else who moves the same way. But to say that compatibility overshines your ability to communicate and treat someone properly is very different. So I just had to make the distinction for her because it's like you, those things are very dangerous where somebody feels like, oh, I'm not compatible with this person. And it's like, are you not compatible with them? Or are they not familiar or do they hold you accountable? Or is there a certain standard that you're intimidated by? So now you're saying, I'm not account, I'm, I'm not compatible with this person. They're to this, they're to this. And it's like, but what are you, right? Yeah. How do you show up? Yeah. Right. Um, and I think on the flip side, sometimes people actually lean too much into compatibility more. So I see this in the romantic sense where someone says, but we were so compatible. And I'm like, was it compatible or was it familiar? And then again, was it actually a connection or was it really just an unhealthy attachment? And there, I think people don't, that we love to oversimplify things of saying it's just the compatibility bucket. And it's like, well, no, there's, you know, intellectual compatibility, there's education, there's, you know, there's values. I mean, if the list yeah. goes on and on, and I know you did this post on this idea of like breaking up with friends. And I think you said all relationships have a rhythm. And so if yeah. something feels out of sync. So like, how would somebody start to know if something was feeling out of sync or how to start exploring that or be like this rhythm is just like it's offbeat. This is not it. That's a good question. I think for me, I'll use me specifically. Um, so I'm a, I consider myself a very sensitive person. Like I'm a feeler. So it's like I pick up on nuances in my relationships as a whole. And sometimes I ask myself, well, is it the relationship or is it my insecurities influencing the relationship? Because that's also a difference too, right? Sometimes when a relationship has a rhythm, there's a level of consistency that, that's there and it ebbs and flows, right? There's, a, there's an exchange there. I talk to you, you hit me up and we're just on this constant kind of exchange where both people feel like they are being recognized, seen and valued. And it's natural, like it doesn't feel forced. And then there's kind of like a dip in communication or a dip in effort and something just kind of like shifts a little bit and you feel it, you know, the beautiful thing about the connections that we make with people that are important to us is we, energy is a real thing, is an exchange. You know, I don't care how practical someone wants to be, energy is a real thing. That's why people say chemistry all the time. Energy is real, right? And what we invest, it's also currency. So the energy we put into somebody else, we get it back in one way or another. So um, you can understand when you, when you know what your relationship is and what it's founded on, you can kind of understand where the shift happens, right? If your friend is a little bit quieter than usual and just quiet in the sense of their presence, like something feels off, right? And it's like, hmm, something's going on. Or 
one thing I realized was when it um, came to me sharing good news with certain people. This one has hit me recently as I have evolved in my career and, and getting more boundaries and more self-worth. And I, I really never realized the importance of that. Yes. It's so, it's such this subtle and very loud um, realization. I always say, think about the people you want to share good news with first. The reason I say that is because it's not just about the good news. It's about you trusting that this very vulnerable piece of you is going to be taken care of and supported by this other person. So when you're sharing good news, it's not so much about the good news in itself. It's just you knowing I'm going to be comfortable here. I'm going to be supported and I'm going to be praised, right? I'm going to be taken care of, right? So that's what a good news person looks like. And sometimes when you share good news with somebody you're unsure about, you just have to watch mm -hmm. because a lot of times they get very quiet, right? Or they kind of make these subtle digs at what it is that you're doing, or they kind of make it seem like they don't hear you or see what you're doing. And there are a couple of friendships last year that I ended um, because I noticed, I was like, it's so funny because the things that I'm doing, you don't support, but somebody else is doing the same thing and you're very much for it. And it threw me for a loop. I was like, okay, this is where we are. But I understood this person I'm afraid to share good news with because I know that it bothers them in a way. It's very interesting. And I think it's something to be very mindful of and truly um, pay attention to. Yeah. Friendship. Sure. I mean, I feel like people don't talk about dealing with loss and making space for loss in general. But if we do, it's generally mm -hmm. in the sense of, romantic, you know, maybe a partnership didn't work out or whatever it is. But yeah. friendships, I think that happens too. I mean, I know I've gone through this over the past few years where you have friends who you kind of just grew up with who are kind of just the, you know, the background friends and you do have to sort of demote them and break up with your friends. And that's a really tough thing, I think, for people to navigate when you feel almost, again, especially if you have that savior complex, if you're yeah. a recovering people pleaser to yeah. sort of hurting ourselves in this journey of kind of trying to help others and people don't yeah. realize the cost of what like we're doing at our own expense yeah it's that you know it's that whole mindset and as you know you 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 work in the healing community as a healer i'll use that term a person that's looking to help others oftentimes they don't help themselves right Breach. <laughs> working on it and that's where burnout comes from and that's where resentment builds because we have this desire to be taken care of. and in a weird way it's it's a weird kind of dance you know treat people how you want to be treated right or how somebody treats you as a reflection of them so when you are the type of person that's in the healing community or field you want to take care of people sometimes because you would hope that somebody would take care of you in the same way. So subconsciously you taking care of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when we understand that, you know, or we end up in these, these relationships where we feel a little bit, you know, cheated out of the love or the effort or the support or the friendship. And then I always say, it's important for you to look at the history of this relationship and look at the very beginning of when it started. 
because a lot of things will start to be very clear that you were blind to because you wanted so much for this person to be the person that you needed versus seeing them for who they were and who they are, right? Um, expectations versus reality. It's so much easier to place someone where they belong in your life when you see them for who they are versus what you hope for them to be in your life. Yeah. It's so different. And it's helped me a ton, <laughs> you know, because it's like, for me, I'm, you know, I, I want to help people. I want people to be okay. You know, you check on your friends and everything like that. But then you look around and you're like, do I have friendships with these people or am I just a helper that they know they can go to with their most like intimate and deepest things? And they know it's going to be a safe space, but it's just trauma dumping. Oh yeah. Kind of like taking advantage. Right. Yeah. So understanding yourself, that's why I think it's very important to understand yourself first before sometimes we go out into the world seeking to be understood by people. Yeah. And you I know. think what you said before about how sometimes I think we do absolutely try and give the love that either we didn't receive as whatever, younger versions of ourselves, childhood stuff, whatever is going on. But I yeah. think sometimes where do you kind of see like if there was a percentage or a balance of like how much people are doing that actually to avoid working on their own shit or uh, running away for themselves that it's really more so that. Yeah, I think it's a high, I'd say, and I'm going to be real with you, I think, especially in our generation, it's, I say, being nice about it is probably 70% of people running away, and I yeah. think 30%, a soft 30, maybe even 25% of people doing the actual work. Yeah. Um, because like I said, it doesn't feel good. The, the work and the realization and the accountability, a lot of times it doesn't feel good. It's great for you, right? And you know about this is diet, right? The, the, the things that are healthy for us usually don't taste the greatest. Mm -hmm. But the longevity and the, you know, the, the effects that it has on us positively, we get later, right? We start seeing results later. But in that moment, it's like, I don't want to drink this shit. Like, this yeah. is gross. <laughs> emotional broccoli. We all need a more emotional broccoli in our lives. You know, you're like, I don't want to have one more green smoothie, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to drink it. this kale broccoli. And it's like, it tastes disgusting, but I know it's good for me. And I have to keep doing this because it's just not going to be a change overnight. Yeah. So People really don't talk that this is one thing that has been positive about TikTok is that I feel mm -hmm. like it does actually shed some light on the thoughts that you have, like your dark, weird thoughts when you're by yourself, where you're like, nobody else is feeling this or going through this. And you scroll and you're like, wow, a lot of people do. And the idea yeah. of what nobody tells you about the healing journey, about how alone you act, how ugly it is, how alone I kind of equate it to like doing home renovations where you're like always doing a home renovation though, where you're like, cool, I just redid my kitchen and now I'm doing my bathroom and then the bedroom and there's workers here all the time and it's a mess. And it's like, when can I ever enjoy my life? And it's, it's tough sometimes, you know? And you're like, I always joke my mom. I'm like, can I just get a lesson that's not in disguise? Just like, just once, you know? Right, yeah. right. But I know you also did a post because we've kind of been, you know, talking about this too, the idea of like being a helper versus a fixer. Cause it sounds sexier to be like, no, I am a healer and I help people yes. and I love, yes. but sometimes that's a really 
blurry line. So like, how can somebody differentiate like, okay, yeah, I want to help somebody, but I'm actually hurting myself or I'm not having boundaries or maybe I need to really stop fixing people. Like where do people even learn to differentiate that? Oh, I'll use, I'll use being, uh, this is where being a trainer comes into play because as a personal trainer, I'm helping someone improve their body. Right. But I can't lift the weight for them. Oh, right. I can't lift the weight for you. I can help you. I can help you with your form. I can help you with your diet. I can help you with repetitions. I can help you with all the things that will benefit you and allow you to lift this heavy weight to improve yourself. But I cannot lift the weight for you and expect that to be transferred to you through osmosis. That's what being a helper is. Sometimes helping people looks like you allowing them to help themselves, not giving people the answers, sometimes not being the person that somebody can always come to when they're in trouble and only in trouble, right? Giving people space to figure things out on their own helps them, but also helps you. Being a fixer, Mm. being a fixer. Any and everything is always your responsibility to fix. You feel like you got to be present. You feel like you got to be in the mix. And in that in itself is you saying to yourself, I'm only as good as what I can offer up and what I can do. Yeah. Right. Fixers are, are usually afraid of being forgotten about, which is why they're always in the mix of things. I think that if I'm not fixing something in your life, then you won't remember that I matter or you won't remember to think about me. So I'm gonna always be present to be fixing something, working with you through something, right? That's a fixer and a fixer will break themselves in pieces in order to try to fix someone else who may not even have asked for them to fix them. Wow, that should just be a thesis into itself but i mean how much of that do you think goes back to self-worth you know because i i think external validation and you know i i'm sure you see this too in the in the bodybuilding fitness community where we put external validation if i lose five pounds if i look better right and then we're always chasing this the destination happiness so how does somebody even start to like unlearn those habits you know because i know you also talk about this idea of like a lot of what i've learned doesn't serve my future self right so like how yeah. do we start to unlearn that when at one time it maybe was a band-aid healthy coping mechanism that you mm-hmm. knew the long-term benefits wasn't great like it's like putting something on a credit card you're like i will have to pay this back at some point but you're like i'm not going to think about it right now yeah it's i think it comes down to um the first thing that pops into my head is like slowing down your thought process right being very mindful of what your triggers are and what your defaults are. So a lot of times when my clients, I first start out with my clients, I tell them to keep a journal, um, not just about what they eat, but how they feel throughout the day. Because your mood is attached to your food, right? Mm. That's what I want that on your next t-shirt. Yes, your mood is your mood is attached to your food. And it's 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 true. And it's not just about like practical food all the time. Sometimes it's what we consume on TV, you know, sometimes it's what we consume in social media. All of these things are usually an indication of where we are in health, right? And how we see ourselves. Um, the whole, you know, uh, picturing someone in the gym, like, you know, I've had people tell me all the time, oh yeah, I wanna, I wanna train like the rock. I want a body like the rock and all these things. I'm like, do you have the discipline like the rock? 
right? What are your eating habits like? On top of that, what are your sleeping habits like? On top of that, how do you deal with stress? On top of that, how many days do you devote to exercise and bettering yourself? Because The Rock, this is his career. You might have a nine to five, and then by the time you get home, you're beat down and you're torn apart, and you only sleep for four hours and you get up and do it again. So your ideal is not your reality. And a lot of times that's what people get caught up in. And it's like, if you don't learn to appreciate who you are now and unpack that, even when you get to that, you're still going to be seeking something different because you're always essentially you're running from yourself. You don't like yourself. So you're always trying to become somebody else. That's why people idolize other people so much because it's like, I like you better. The idea of you, I love so much better than the idea of who I am, mm. right? So it's this element of just, again, self-reflection and even how you talk to yourself, right? In jest, um, you know, saying I'm such a klutz so I'm such a, a dummy, I'm such a this. It's like the little kid in you hears that. Totally. And he's listening or she's listening and they believe this. So they're going to start doing things or recreating an environment that reinforces what you said, because you're the grown up. So I'm going to have to believe you. Right. Yeah. You're my caregiver. So this must be true about me. So I'm going to I'm going to lean into that. So it, it really comes down to like truly slowing down what you say and what you do. And if you follow through, like you have to have boundaries with yourself too, right? People think that boundaries are only with another person. Like, yeah, I have a boundary with this person because they did this, this, and that. It's like, well, do you have boundaries with yourself? Do you say, okay, I'm going to wake up at this time. I'm going to make sure I draw or read for the day. I'm going to make sure I exercise. Or do you kind of fall by the wayside when it comes to your boundaries, right? I love that. I feel like boundaries has become kind of one of those trauma boundaries, um, attachment style. These are all things that are great and they serve a purpose for sure. But my mom and I joke all the time. We're like, great. Now that you know that and you blame whoever you want to blame, what are you going to do about that? And I think boundaries kind of falls into that category where you're like, well, they just didn't respect my boundaries, but I've actually never heard somebody say, I have to have boundaries with myself. Because again, that takes a responsibility for us being like, Ooh, I actually have to do the work I'm causing suffering in my life. And it's a lot easier to just be like, no, you're actually the person who has the issues and not me. And so I, I think you have spoken to about this idea of like tolerating versus enduring. And that is, I would love to hear you explain that to the listeners a little bit more because that really resonated with me because I think a lot of overachiever type A, the people who actually live in this space, because we're like, fine, if I'm going to be good at mental health, I'll be the best at mental health. And I'm going to push through and I'm going to do this 70, 30, like 70, 30 step thing in the morning. And it's like, great. But at what point do we have to start unlearning some things and release? And like, where am I tolerating and where am I enduring? So like, what, what was kind of, you know, your idea behind that? Oh, so I think when it comes to Tolerating, so they both require a level of effort, right? You need to have a certain amount of effort to tolerate something. But tolerating means that you are kind of, you're slowly degrading yourself, right? You're hoping to numb yourself out 
or you're also hoping that this person changes before you have to make an uncomfortable change, Ooh, right? Damn. That's what tolerating is. <laughs> you know, that's what tolerating is. A lot of times when we tolerate things, it's like, well, I'll tolerate it. You know, maybe they'll change or maybe they'll do this. It's always maybe they will make the uncomfortable changes before I'm put in the situation to make the uncomfortable change, right? Wow. It's literally waiting for somebody else to do the hard work for you. Yeah. Right. Endurance is more of, and then there's this whole element of effort and endurance in relationships. When you have endurance, um, it's more, I think of it like going uphill. You build your stamina, you're doing something to kind of transition. Endurance in my head is, is kind of like a steady state. Somebody that's running a mile, you train for that, right? You train, you level up your endurance, you build your speed, et cetera. And you keep challenging yourself to be better. That's what endurance is. Tolerating in a lot of ways is just cyclical. Like you're going in this circle, right? You're spinning mm-hmm. on this carousel and you're just allowing life to do whatever it needs to. Endurance, there's some element of grit there where you're like, you're pushing yourself towards something, right? Now, when it comes to effort in endurance, in relationships, effort in my head feels effortless, right? When you're making effort in a relationship, it comes naturally. There isn't this kind of resistance that you have. It's effort, right? Because this relationship matters. When you are, when there's endurance, you know, work, right? Effort versus work. When you're working to sustain a relationship, it means that you are, you're trying to keep something that is not being kept, right? You're working to do something, which means that there's obligation tied to the work that you do. Um, and that's where endurance comes from too. A lot of times it's like you're playing tug of war, but basically the rope is wrapped around a tree. Wow. The tree is stationary and that tree is never going to move. You, on the other hand, in your head, think that you can pull this tree, but also, too, you think that somebody or you're hoping for somebody to be on the other side of that tree and is going to pull the rope the other way. That's endurance. It's like, yeah, you'll you'll build some kind of <laughs> resilience um, and some kind of strength, but it's like, at what cost? Because now you're tired. Yeah. Right? At what cost? It's usually our time and energy, which we can't get back. And I always say energy is currency, your effort is currency, your love is currency. All these things of who you are, when you start to see those things as currency, you are more mindful of where you are spending your time and who you're spending it with, right? Yeah. Your time is, is simply currency. You don't get it back, right? And if you're devoting time working to sustain a relationship, that's empty, that's empty spending. Like that's empty spending <laughs> yeah so you need, a, you need a spiritual financial advisor at that point let's i love this like For emotional sure. broccoli is spiritual financial advisor absolutely so, put it on all your merch i'll put it on coffee mugs and we'll sync up together we'll do a big let's merch launch for sure <laughs> yes yeah. yes 
what would what would you say would be um so maybe somebody is listening to this and this is like all really resonating they're like yeah i'm definitely feeling that i have this rope around this tree like i'm feeling tired like so what would maybe be some signs internally that they're like you know what this maybe isn't working for me and what would be maybe one or two small steps forward someone could take or kind of an easy win if you will to be like i gotta get off this merry-go-round because this is not serving me anymore Ooh, uh, some small steps, I think. I, besides you know, listening to your podcast. Besides listening to it. So definitely listen to the podcast. But I think um, a big one is, is um, communication. And not communication in a way that people think. Because everybody is always like, oh, yeah, well, you have to communicate. Communication is important, et cetera. It's like you have to pick and choose your audience. Because some people are not in the environment or a relationship where communication is healthy right? Where communication is turbulent, right? Or you can communicate something to your blue in the face, but if the other person is not willing to comprehend you, then you're just talking. That is not communication. Yes. That's right? a lesson I wish I learned earlier in life, the difference between communication and comprehension for sure. Yes. Yes. Because comprehension needs to be there and there has to be a willingness for both people to want to understand the other person. Um, so you said a small step, I think, is awareness, right? Awareness of your body. Um, again, slow down. How, how do I feel about this relationship? And is there, um, is, are my feelings, are they rooted in a reality or are they rooted in my trying to create a reality? Because that's different too. Like sometimes we expect people to think for us and they should just know this and this and this is my love language and somebody's not, you know, feeding into my love language. And it's like, well, how do you take care of your love language? Right. How do you go about doing that? Right. So it's literally being mindful. And once you decide, OK, this is how I feel. I'm sure this is how I feel. These are the reasons why. Like you could even write it on a piece of paper, like slow down and become more practical if you find yourself always being driven by emotions and the emotions derail you um, and it becomes this fight or flight thing. Like you can take your time making hard decisions. Oh, wow. That, that's the line. That's the line <laughs> for people to take away for sure. Because it is, we, we rush so much because there is this sense of urgency that we either place on ourselves or societal yeah. urgency that we feel we're comparing ourselves or everybody else is doing this or this is how that person did it and advice yeah. is always just a form of nostalgia it's through their lens of what they so you know that sometimes the intentions are pure but it doesn't actually align with where you are currently in your life yeah hang on i'm gonna close this block yeah i agree it's it's this element of um thinking that you have to have it all kind of figured out and sorted out um immediately like when when it comes to like breakups are hard right breakups are hard whether it's a friendship breakup a family breakup a relationship breakup it's tough and sometimes you want to be sure that you are making the right decision or you are afraid to make the right decision for yourself because you feel that it's going to hurt the other person it's important how do i put this Making a hard decision is still not up to you to take care of the other person. You can treat them well and treat them properly, right? Mm -hmm. 
but your job is to not take care of them if you are making a decision that's going to make you and them better, right? Because sometimes we exist in these relationships. Again, this is why I talk about resentment, where we stay because we don't want to hurt the other person. But meanwhile, we're fighting all the time. We're doing these things. There's infidelity sometimes. And we're doing all these things that could potentially hurt the person anyway. But just because we're not forthright about it, oh, we're not hurting them as much, right? So it's like, it's better to suffer in the moment than to continue to suffer over so many moments. Yeah, nearsighted pain versus farsighted pain for sure. Ooh, come on, yes. So if you had to give your younger self a piece of breakup advice, like you're, think about that first heartbreak where you're like on the floor and you're like, you're like, I'm never, I'm not getting through this, mom. Yeah. Like you can give me all the advice you want. What is one thing, maybe a, or a lesson that took you really hard to learn in that space that you, when you got it, you were like, you know what, I want to tell this to like. 25 year old me or like me a year ago um <laughs> i think a big part is it has nothing to do with you um and i say that in the 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 realm of you know our society ghosting is such a popular thing it's like oh i don't know anybody any communication i could just kind of flip off you know we weren't in a relationship or maybe we were in a relationship, but I still don't owe them anything. They should just know. So people operate outside of our influence, right? So understanding that not everything is about you and how somebody moves is how they're going to always choose to move. Mm -hmm. It's nothing to do with you, right? All you can be responsible for is how you treated the other person. That's your only business. What they do with that has nothing to do with you. And that, I think that will be the biggest piece of advice I would give to myself because I get heady, like when things shift and, you know, I'm like, oh man, there's something I did wrong, or maybe I should have did this, or maybe I was too caring or too, and it's like, Isaiah, you were you, you were very intentional. That's it. Yeah. I would love to hear if you've ever struggled with this then, because it sounds like we're pretty similar where it sounds like you're pretty authentic from the jump. Like uh -huh. intentions are pure. You're like, yeah. this is what I really mean. I put a lot of thought behind what I'm saying. Yes. And then maybe you don't always realize that the other person is not so much that way. And then there's a cognitive dissonance when that three, six, nine months where oxytocin wears off and mm -hmm. you know all the other love, they call it chemistry for a reason, right? It's like literally neurochemicals. So yeah. What, if you have experiences or maybe people have come to you when people have that moment of cognitive dissonance where they're like, wait, but I, I don't understand how somebody could act that way because I was just so who I was from the jump and yeah. now they're showing who they really are and I can't match up their true colors versus what they painted in the beginning. So two things to that. One of the things that my mom, and I think Maya Angelou said it, she's like, always believe people the first time. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, people show you very early on who they are. There's no missing who somebody is. And it's like, you just have to kind of know what to look for. We are always, as humans, we are always doing this show and tell thing as, as, as kind of like discreet or mysterious we try to be. Even that in itself is a telltale sign of how we operate. If I'm always trying to be elusive and kind of like secretive with you and, and, and make you kind of want me or or uh, more attracted or want to get to know me in that way, 
that shows that I'm the type of person I'm very um, hot and cold and somewhat manipulative. That's a level of manipulation, right? When it comes to understanding like how could somebody be a certain way, again, bring it back to yourself, right? How someone treats you is a reflection of who they are. And we always put that a negative connotation on that, but it's again, if you were this person, despite how they treated you, that's who you are, right? That's, that's just who you are. So when you ask, well, how could this person do this? I was so kind to them, I was thoughtful, I was this, I was that. It doesn't matter. Yes. It doesn't matter. That, that doesn't change a person. Just like they didn't necessarily change you overnight, they hurt you and there are some things you're gonna have to heal from, yes. But they didn't change your essence. They didn't change the person that you are. And a lot of times people fail to realize that they are existing in runner chaser relationships when we talk about attachment, um, where this person was very clear. They were very clear, but you thought that you could fix them, you could change them. You wanted to be the person that they could rely on and you just wanted to be loyal and you wanted to just be that person that that changes their whole line of relationships. Meanwhile, they just gave you another thing that you now have to heal from. Wow. Yes. Did not sign up for that compounded interest. That's for sure. (laughs) Yes. It's like, it's the goal. And I always say is like, don't be a reason. Don't be another thing that somebody has to heal from and always leave things better than how you found them. That includes people. So even when I go through these breakups in my relationships, I always value the fact that there's not one relationship right now that can say that Isaiah, you did some shady shit to me. And now I have to, I have to fix that. No, you never have to worry about that when it comes to me, which is why I usually don't revisit relationships that I walked away from because I did it right the first time. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's understanding and separating yourself from somebody else's behavior just like you're separated from their behavior. It's, it's this, we don't see it always in that way. It's always us being um, kind of the passenger in our own lives where it's like, I can't believe this person did this. And ask yourself, what am I attracted to? Oh yeah. You know, how many relationships ended up in a very similar way as this relationship that I just had to walk away from? right? What were some telltale signs? And that's the thing. People don't sit with themselves enough. They're just looking for somebody to distract them from themselves and also validate themselves. Like, I hope that I'm good enough for this person. Cause I, I would run the risk of doing that. Like in, in my professional settings, all these things are like, man, I hope I'm good enough. Or I hope they like me. And meanwhile, I'm like, well, Isaiah, what is it that you like about these people? What have they exhibited that, that would make them a quality person? And sometimes you can't really think of anything. And it's like, you have to ask yourself, do I like me enough? Do I value me enough that whether or not somebody comes or goes, my value in myself and my love for myself is not going to change? I love that. You know? I love that. 
You just have to be comfortable in your own space and don't, you know, shame yourself for things that you went through. A lot of times we wear our experiences where we identify with our experiences so much that we also think that we deserve them and we deserve to be treated like that repetitively. So it's like, this thing happened to me, I must've deserved it. Like subconsciously you believe, yeah, there's no reason why they would do that otherwise. I had to have done something wrong. Instead of just seeing somebody separate from you, like, you know, somebody cuts you off in a car. It's like, okay, if it wasn't me driving behind them, it would have been somebody else that they would have cut off, right? That's just who they are in this moment. It has nothing to do with me. I just happen to be there. Yeah. So, so I would I would imagine that some of this sage wisdom has come through experiences. My mom yeah. and I always joke, you know, um, advice and lessons are what you get when you don't get what you want kind of thing. Yes. And so I've <laughs> asked this question on the podcast before, and I want to ask this as kind of the final question to leave people with, and then we'll tell everybody where they can get the coloring book, where they can follow sure. you, all that stuff. But um, I think some of these some of these transformative moments in our life, like breakups and sadness and whatever, they're really important. And they bring about very uncomfortable emotions that we don't love to sit with. So then we go and look for external validation or whatever it is. Right. And so things like sadness, anxiety, depression, whatever, the ones that we're like, not super stoked to be feeling, but they are important nonetheless. So has there been an emotion in particular for you or a feeling that you felt you struggled with befriending over the years that you now are friendlier with? And if so, what, um, what were maybe some tips that you would help to give to people if they're struggling with the same kind of thing? Um, I think anger. Oh, good one. Big one for me. Um, Jersey. No, I'm kidding. Jersey. <laughs> like anger and in expressing that something made me upset versus always saying it's all good. Right. Oh. Sometimes it's not all good. Right. And you, again, saying that it's all good, you're already invalidating, cutting short your emotional experience that you need to have to get past something. Um, so anger is, even in acting class, I realized like anger was always a big thing for me. I was like, ah, I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be angry. And now when something does bother me, I sit with, it. I'm like, am I pissed? Am I angry? Okay. I'm angry. And that's it. I mean, how do I deal with that now? It's not like I'm going to go and punch a wall, you know, or like lash out on someone or anything like that. It's just me being mindful of what feeling I'm feeling. So I understand for me, what emotion is aligned with the experience versus just being like, you know, smiling while somebody douses your house in gasoline. And you're like, yeah, it's all good. And it's like, is it? Because you have to put out this fire. They're gone. Yeah. Right. So Anger was always a big one for me. And I think as guys, it's like, you know, sadness is oftentimes not allowed. But I mean, I'm an artist. So it's like, I've always found ways to kind of have a different vessel or medium. But even if I'm sad, like I, I own it. I'm like, yeah, I'm sad. You know, this hurt, you know, this, this sucks. And I let it ride because it may feel like eternity in that moment, but eventually you get past it, right? And it's a shitty thing to say to a person in the moment. But what I tell my friends all the time is when they're upset or they're angry, they're sad or something, I always say, feel what you need to feel first, right? 
Um, if you're aware of it now, it won't sneak up in different ways later. So true. Yeah. Give yourself the attention that you're hoping somebody else gives you. Like gives you, give yourself that space to say, Hey, what's wrong? Yeah. I love up. even that you saying it's, and it's not always all right. Like it's a, like, no, I'm, I'm not okay. I'm not okay right now. Yeah. I'm not okay right now. Like I even had a couple of things last, last week where I showed up to an appointment and the person wasn't there. I still haven't heard from them days later. And I'm like, ah, it's all good. Something probably happened. And I'm like, well, Isaiah, no, because you took time out of your day for this. And yes, you could be understanding, but doesn't mean that your experience right now is invalid. You're pissed. Yeah. Own that. You have a right to be pissed. You know, this is something you carved out time for, your time for it to now have been, wait, you're pissed. That's cool. What it's not always all good. I love that. Not always all good. And it doesn't have to be. It's like, sometimes we, we the society always teaches us to be love and light or don't let people see you sweat, whatever it can be. Like, no, sometimes you really have to get in the habit of advocating for yourself so you understand what it sounds like to stick up for you. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Like, you have to know what it sounds like. So yeah, say it out loud, give the feeling a name and say, yep, this is what I feel right now. I love that. I could talk to you for like 30 hours um, and I would absolutely love to have you back on the podcast. But in the meantime, where can people also become obsessed with you the way that I am and find all of your content and follow you on all the social media, order your books, please like, and I'll put this all in the show notes as well for everybody who's listening, but just let people know where they can stalk appropriately. Oh, so you can stalk a pro pro. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram at the bird brain podcast or at Isaiah Frizzell. Um, That's on TikTok and Instagram. There's nothing too interesting on my personal account. I'm an actor, but it's like, eh, I post things here and there. But the podcast is like really the meat and potatoes of like, where I try to um, emphasize mental health and all those things, love and light. And then the podcast is on every streaming platform. Um, I'll be getting back into the YouTube game soon. Uh, the coloring book. So the coloring book, it's on Barnes and Nobles. It's all, it's also on Amazon and, um, personal copies through my website. I personally sign autograph with a little special note to the, the reader. So yeah, all those, all those ways. And where can people buy the merch? Oh, the merch it's, it's, um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send you the link, but it's, it's through the bird brain podcast okay. shop. I'll put so, it in the show yeah. notes. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you that. But yes, you can buy the merch. I just recently released a, a self-love um, merch line just so people understand, you know, around Valentine's Day in that time, like people start to feel lonely and things like that. But it's like, you know, self-love, that's all year round. Yeah. And it's always in motion. Like when you are self-loved, it means that you are constantly taking care of yourself. So that was just kind of like a reminder, hey, love yourself and value that love. I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'm so grateful for this information. You're going to change so many people's lives. And honestly, I'm grateful that you were on this podcast and I can't wait to have you back. I really appreciate you having me. This means a lot. Those words, like I don't take for granted. So thank you. Thank you. (laughs)